This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Luc Olivier Dumoulin. And I'm Yannick Mangan. And today I won't ask you what our topic is because we've been talking about it for the last three months. This is today that we record an episode about Zelda's A Link to the Past. Yeah, I was afraid you were going to say the wrong Zelda game. Yes, we, talk, we, we just talked about other Zelda games and I blinked on the name. So, so yeah. So, Yannick, which game are we going to talk about today? Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. See, I know I fucked up something in the name, so that's good. But before we start, as usual, as per tradition, I should even say, we have some follow-up. And I'll start for this episode because I have a small correction. So in my last episode, in the follow-up section, I was talking about the Volkswagen ID4 and the news about its Canadian launch. And I made a small... I did a small uh, blurb while talking. Uh, so the entry line version of the ID4 is not front wheel drive, it is rear wheel drive. So as with the Tesla Model 3 or the Model Y, Volkswagen going to the same approach where their entry the entry model is a rear wheel drive car or you can pay to get all wheel drive which will be let's be honest pretty popular here in Canada and in Quebec. And it's funny because literally we recorded the next morning I was listening to another car podcast and listening and it's like and they were like oh my god it's so nice it's like Volkswagen going back to wheel wheel drive cars and I'm like oh crap I said front wheel drive in the podcast. So small correction and if you're a Volkswagen fan that was also this is also super excited about Volkswagen starting to launch more rear wheel drive cars the ID4 is one. And that's it for my follow up Yannick. We're going to close out the uh, Mobile Payments Part 2 follow-up for episode 157. Uh, Joel published another clarification post about uh, what Super Suica means to him. And actually, I think this is a really great post. Uh, it really like takes the Super Suica name and sort of uh, lays out three different categories of the different initiatives and gives a full uh, table with a complete list of all of these initiatives that make up what he... Uh, was previously calling Super Suica. And uh, if you're interested in getting like a bird's eye view of what's going on in the world of Suica right now, I highly recommend reading this post because it is super interesting. Uh, I'm not going to spend more time than that on it because, well, we don't have all episode. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, some follow up for episode 129, which was about cloud gaming. Xbox Cloud Gaming, uh, which we previously called xCloud, uh, is currently in limited beta for uh, Game Pass Ultimate members on iOS. Uh, so uh, you can now use uh, the iPhone or the iPad through Safari and uh, do things via xCloud. So I will put a link to a video from Tom Warren from The Verge, uh, who shows it running both in a web browser and on the iPhone. And I must say that the iPhone client is extremely slick and much nicer than what I had expected from a web app uh, presentation for one of these streaming services. It looks much nicer than what we've uh, seen from Stadia on iOS. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah, it looks really good. I'm just not a Game Pass member, and uh, obviously, even if you're a Game Pass member, you need an invite uh, to actually be able to participate in this. Uh, but definitely looking forward to seeing how this turns out uh, in the coming weeks. Next up, some follow-up for episode 127 on the 64-bit migration. Uh, Visual Studio 2022 was announced this week. 
and uh, the first preview releases are going to be coming out this summer. And one of the big features of Visual Studio 2022 is that it is a 64-bit application. Uh, Wow. Yep. So uh, quoting here from the Visual Studio blog, Visual Studio 2022 will be a a 64-bit application, no longer limited to 4 gigabytes of memory in the main devenv.exe process. With a 64-bit Visual Studio on Windows, you can open, edit, run, and debug even the biggest and most complex solutions without running out of memory. While Visual Studio is going 64-bit, this doesn't change the types or bitness of the application you can build with Visual Studio. Visual Studio will continue to be a great tool for building 32-bit apps. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, so just a little jab in the in the ribs to Visual Studio this week in our follow-up. <laughs> And then last but not least, uh, for episode 110 on Battle Royale games, exciting news coming out from uh, Apex Legends this week. Uh, There have been a lot of rumors in the last few weeks about Season 9 of Apex Legends, which is going to be called uh, Season 9 Legacy. Uh, They are going to be introducing a new game mode, which is not Battle Royale, to Apex Legends that is going to become a permanent uh, mode called Arena. Uh, We don't actually know what the details are, but we know that it is rumored right now to be 3v3 team deathmatch. And the tagline for this season is go beyond battle royale. Uh, so uh, a gameplay preview of this season is going to be coming out on April 26th. And I'm very excited to see what goes on. But Apex Legends, once again, uh, like there have been multiple comments from Respawn, uh, who, who develops Apex Legends throughout the year, saying we want to have more ways for players to engage with uh, Apex Legends than just a battle royale and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out over the course of the year but as someone who has really really been enjoying uh, apex legends this year uh i'm very excited to see where this goes and that's it for my follow-up good so let's move into the main topic Okay, so if you were listening to our Game of the Year episode, uh, during that episode I sort of pitched the idea that since Sukadvi and I are turning 30 this year I know we're getting old. We're yes. getting old. Uh, oh, no, I, I would just say you're already old at this point. Yeah, I turned 30 last week. Uh, I sort of pitched the idea uh, that we could play a game from 1991 uh, for my birthday episode. And I sort of said that in the moment without really thinking about it. Because uh, first I should probably have checked what games came out in 1991. Uh, in all honesty, there weren't that many good choices. <laughs> Um, so probably the best choice, if I had to look at the list of games that came out that year, uh, was Street Fighter 2, but I didn't think I could actually convince you to give a serious shot to Street Fighter 2, so I sort of skipped that and didn't even propose it. By the way, before I continue, I think that's a fair call to not have proposed it. Um, while I like your love of fighter games... I like your love of fighter games, and that's it. That that's yeah. how I can describe my love of fighter games. Is I'm happy that you enjoy them, and I'm not the biggest fan of them. Exactly. So I I knew it was a lost cause, so I didn't propose that. Um, our choice ultimately came down to two games: uh, Sonic the Hedgehog for the Genesis and Zelda: Link to the Past. Now, careful observers will probably say, "Wait a minute, Zelda: Link to the Past came out in 1992," and that is. <laughs> I was one of those keen observers. Yes. And this is the dumb thing. This is what happens when you mostly watch Japanese YouTube is you know the Japanese release dates for things and not the English ones. (laughs) 
So uh, Zelda A Link to the Past came out, I believe, in October of 91 in Japan. And, uh, and uh, no, November November 21st. I have the dates in front of me. Okay, right well, I knew it was fall of 91. Um, but yeah, it, it came out uh, in 91 in Japan. And effectively, like nothing except the text changed uh, between that time and 92. So I guess it's safe to say it's a 91 game. Um, the thing about this choice is that... Uh, I had actually already played through the entire Sonic Genesis trilogy a few years ago. Uh, so I thought it would make for a better episode if we both played a game that we mostly didn't play before. Uh, I've already sort of mentioned that I rented A Link to the Past one time and spent the entire rental period running around in circles at the start of the game because I could never find the stupid secret entrance to get into the dungeon. <laughs> By the way, just one quick note about the dates. Uh, North American launch was in April 92, uh, on the 13th to be exact. Oh, wow. And yes, so literally 29 years ago, or give or take. And the day before my birthday, too. Yeah, I I wasn't sure if you wanted to say that, but then you did, so that's okay. And Europe was the last one to be launched on September 24th, 92. So give or take... 30 to 29 years uh and that's okay even if it first launched in japan before we get into the experience we've had with the zelda series before and we've touched on this before because we did an episode about uh uh breath of the wild i do want to briefly explain uh all of my misadventures that led to either being able or not being able to play this game at various stages in time because it's kind of a funny story and I would be lying if it didn't actually slightly bias my <laughs> my opinion. Yeah, I, you know what? Not, we were discussing just before starting like, pressing record and you were like, yeah, and I'm like, mm, I'm not surprised that your poor experience of trying to play this game in the last three months and all the uh, hurdle you had didn't help your opinion of the game itself. Nah, not really. So, uh... We'll see. It, so, almost everything went wrong for me when trying to play this episode. And the, the worst part is, like, we started talking about this, like, in January. So, we've been trying to right. get this going for a while, and still, everything managed to go wrong. So, originally, I was going to play this on the GPDXD, which is an Android-based handheld device that I've, I've had for a couple of years now, like, three or four years. Um... And there have been some reliability issues with the Android side of things in particular, where um, RetroArch, which is like the premier emulator that everybody loves, except for me, apparently, uh, <laughs> it stopped being super reliable and uh, like game saving stopped working for me entirely. I had to rely on uh, save states, which in itself is Ooh. not particularly a bad problem to have. Except sometimes it would just randomly crash when I would go into the menu to save a save state, which is also Ooh. infuriating. Um, but all of that shit, like, I could deal with it. The problem is the ribbon cable for the screen died. Uh, so I sort of had to give up on using that device entirely. And uh, because I can't get the screen to come on, I sort of can't even enter... Uh, usb uh drive sharing mode so i can't actually get my save off of that and put it anywhere else it's just kind of dead right now so 
I was like, okay, well, no big deal. I have a new Nintendo 3DS. I'll use this opportunity to buy a new battery for my new Nintendo 3DS because new Nintendo 3DS systems can play uh, Super Famicom and Super NES games via the uh, virtual console, including Zelda Link to the Past. And uh, I was also very curious to see if I can make uh, Apple Watch, Apple Pay purchase uh, because new Nintendo 3DS in Japan can actually make purchases with Suica cards. I had not tried it with a watch. So I was curious to try it with a watch and I was like, oh, well, cool. I'll buy a new battery for my new 3DS, which has literally a five minute battery life. No joke. Uh, And it's going to be great. So I bought a replacement battery from the Nintendo store. And the second I got here, I sort of realized I made a terrible mistake and I ordered the wrong kind of battery. Uh, so I got, I got the battery I was told on the internet was going to work for this, but it clearly was the wrong skew. Uh, I bought a battery for 3DS XL, uh, which is common for the old 3DS XL and new 3DS XL, but it does not work on new Nintendo 3DS, not XL, uh, which means that it did not fit in my device. Now, luckily I did have an old Nintendo 3DS that, uh, was lying around and its battery was pretty old and I, I put it in and it appears to be working and I don't know switching the battery actually seemed to fix the weird screen hinge issue I thought I was having which seems completely unrelated but like now I just have a working old 3DS which is great except the game I was trying to play only plays on new Nintendo 3DS so I was still screwed there. And what I ended up finding out is that uh, new Nintendo 3DS was only sold as limited editions in North America. And because of that, they had like an extremely small support window and that support window was closed. So they were no longer selling replacement batteries. Also, I bought the last old 3D. Well, I bought, I bought the last 3DS XL battery that Nintendo was ever going to sell. Uh, because like the day after I received the battery, they announced that all 3DS replacement parts are as supplies last and uh, 3DS support is discontinued like three months ahead of time because they had so many uh, support requests because of COVID that uh, they were running out of parts. So they were like, we can't even continue to support these devices if we wanted to. Uh, so effectively, like my window for ever getting replacement batteries for anything is, is closed now. Uh, and... I don't know what I'm going to do with my uh, with my new Nintendo 3DS that has five minutes of battery life. I'm kind of in, not quite sure what I'm going to do there. Um, and th- there's a whole thing where uh, <laughs> once you have a new 3DS, if you have uh, system-related uh, purchases and all of that stuff, you can only migrate it to another new Nintendo 3DS or new Nintendo 3DS XL. So that means... I can't even system transfer to the new, well, to the old 3DS that I have working now because the system transfer doesn't work from new to old, only in the opposite direction. So I would have to buy a new Nintendo 3DS, a new, new Nintendo 3DS. You see the issue with talking about (laughs) these things. It's terrible. Yeah, Uh, the name is bad. Yes. Uh, So, yeah, I I mean, like, I'm kind of confused right now (laughs) about what I'm going to do with that. So in the end, uh, I had to throw away my entire game uh, progress and play Zelda Link to the Past on my Mac via OpenMU. Uh, And I didn't want to play it on keyboard because playing games on keyboards hurt my hands. So I played it on an arcade stick instead. Uh, That in itself was not particularly problematic. But, um, yeah, so... I think I'm pretty sure I was going to be cranky about this game either way, but if I'm extra cranky, like 
this is why I tried really hard to try to play this game and everything blew up in my face every time. Good. So on my side, the story about how I played this game is uber simple. Like there's no <laughs> nothing about batteries and all that fun stuff. I do have a small tangent about that. Like I know we discussed a lot in the past few months. I kind of feel a bit sad uh, about the way. And again, it's not the first time Nintendo does this. So take my comments with a grain of salt. But still, I find it kind of a bit sad because the 3DS of all had a great run up, which means that the consoles on the used market will still have values for years to come. And if there's no parts to fix them because no parts are being produced, it does mean that A, prices will be going up and then at some point the 3S will just disappear. And again, as as a fan of NL consoles, it makes me sad a bit. I would not be so worried about that. Um, okay. I, I don't know if you've been paying attention to what's been going on with Game Boy Advance SP over the last couple of years. Uh, no. Okay, so there is a huge renaissance of Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Advance SP, uh, both like replacement parts and all that stuff that are made by third parties, but are very high quality parts. Oh, nice. Also, like screen mods have been going crazy uh, recently with like all the IPS mods you can get for Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advance SP, all that stuff. People are making third party batteries with reasonable uh, capacity and like that are reliable and won't burn your house down. Uh, So like that entire market is doing so well right now that I think we're probably going to see the same things going on for DS over time and 3DS as those parts wear out. I think Nintendo has a pretty good habit of making things that uh, last a really long time. I think 3DS Mm -hmm. is kind of where they sort of shit the bed and uh, it's, it doesn't last as long as previous uh, Nintendo handhelds did. Right. But assuming they haven't done any weird Apple shit where they put, like, active (laughs) circuitry in the batteries or something like that, which, like, this is the problem with the PSP is you're not seeing good PSP replacement batteries because there was active circuitry in the batteries. Uh, So assuming Nintendo doesn't do that, and I have no idea if they did, uh, I'm not worried that the uh, fan community around these systems is going to keep replacement parts coming out that are very high quality. That's I didn't hear about that from the Advance and Advance and SP, and it is somewhat reassuring. So I do hope that that will transition to the DS. And I guess at this point, the DS is so old that it could already start. Who knows? We'll see. The DS is like 26 years old this year. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. I kind of just realized that. So hope this will also apply to the 3S. Wait, no, not 26 years old. What am I saying? 16? Yeah, that's better. <laughs> yeah uh, that's okay uh yeah it's what 2005 yeah okay good so uh as i mentioned i guess in past episode when we talk about video games i subscribe to nintendo switch online and the as a perk of being a subscriber you also get the emulation that nintendo has done through that which and and includes two apps. The first one that is not relevant for this episode, but still worth mentioning, the Nintendo Entertainment System app, and then there is the the Super Nintendo Entertainment System app, where you can play a bunch of games, including the Legend of Zelda: A Link's to the A Link to the Past, which is what I've done. 
One thing to note about that app is that, and I, I was wondering if you were going to get bitten by this, is technically all of the games in these apps are on a rotation basis where they can be removed at the start of any mm. month and replaced with anything else. And I was really afraid that they were just going to pull a link to the past in the middle of your game and fuck you over. That would have been bad indeed. That yeah. Would have been bad. At the same time, I don't think Zelda in particular is very high on the list of things they want to remove. No, I agree with you on that one. But again, I guess if that would have happened, maybe I could have found... No, because you said it's on new 3DS and I only have the 3DS XL. But yeah. You'd be so stuck on an emulator like me. Yeah, something like that. So I'm pretty happy that I was able to use it on the Switch. And again, I think overall it's more or less the same experience as you when you use the... the maybe even the Android device where you can like have like... Say, like memory dump state so you save state and not just save through the game which it's really nice to put the switch on sleep put it back on the charger and then pick it up the next morning so so that you don't restart to uh the main point where you restart which is your home uh which might be which is in the middle of the maps which is a bit inferiating if you are not um which is inferiating if it's you're in the middle of a dungeon or if you're at the other extreme part of the map before a dungeon and then get restarted because you saved and quit the game so that was really useful i also will kind of abuse the bit one of the feature which is kind of you kind of roll back a couple of frames to say oh i did something stupid roll back and do your move again which oh i had I no idea know. that was in the game my new save states were there but i didn't know you could rewind yes the rewind feature saved my ass a lot <laughs> So that's that, that's the other feature from the um, the Switch emulator uh, that was really nice. See, since I was playing on an arcade stick, I had the f- four uh, Super Nintendo face buttons on the on the left four most buttons, and then I had mm-hmm. the extreme right buttons. I put um, save state and load save state, so I was able to like quickly save things all over the place. So that was how I did my right. not rewind. <laughs> Ah, I see. I see. It's kind of the typical of uh, you write a ro- you write a word document and you uh, command save or control save like every ten seconds to be on the safe side. Yeah, the problem is like sometimes you're like, oh, I wanted to save, but I accidentally hit the wrong button, and then you reload, <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, there, there we go. Um, how about you tell us uh, your prior experience with the Zelda series? Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So. A uh, long, long time ago, uh, on I guess the 3DS, I played Majora's Mask. I did not complete it, and I was yeah. And it's, uh, I think it's because they got, uh, they brought the end. No, they yeah they make a they made a remake a remake on from the N64 to the 3DS or the DS, and that's yeah. how I played it because again. Not my backstory, but as we've seen in our previous show about Zelda, Tony's a huge fan of Zelda games. I've played all of them. And so he's kind of slowly, slowly, but surely trying to influence me, even if I can say that that doesn't really work. But he was pretty happy that we chose A a Link to the Past, by the way. (laughs) So he might not be happy after we finish this episode. Sure, uh, but he's always saying like, oh, after you're done with this one, I forgot the name of the other one he wants me to play, but there's another one possibly in the pipeline uh, if that is to happen. But to go back on my previous history, so uh, Metal Rust Mask on, I guess, the 3DS. And recently, 
Link's Awakening, uh, the Switch version. Uh, and this one I pretty really, really enjoyed. And it was my first time really completing a Zelda game. So that was fun. But again, like Majora's Mask, those two games are kind of a bit different style of Zelda games. So um, that's my more or less main experience uh, playing those video games. What about you? Okay, so I've played through most of Link's Awakening, Ocarina of Time, and Wind Waker. I thought that Wind Waker was actually quite fantastic. Uh, I found Link's Awakening to be quirky and charming, and I think <laughs> Ocarina of Time was solid, but it's overrated just because of N64 distortion. Of uh, course you blame me the N64. Yeah, it was impressive at the time, but it has aged quite poorly. And I don't even think it's like the best Zelda game, but yeah. Um, I do have uh, quite a bit of experience with the original Zelda on the NES, but I never really made it far. I just played it for a long time. Kind of like that rental with A Link to the Past is like, I never really got far. <laughs> I just turned around in circles and I had a little bit of fun. I have a funny story, by the way. It's not my story, but I, it's a story that Tony told me about this game is when he grew up, he had an NES and played it a couple of times and his mom kind of was like semi-interested and just like what are you playing and then and at one point he just like came back from school and his mom was playing uh the first zelda um and it's funny because he retold me this story because i think for the last two years at this point my uh i'm licking my nes mini i forgot the name like the the, the emulator that nintendo shipped nes classic edition Ah, there we go. I wasn't sure if it was you know, classic and I chose the wrong one. So my NES classic is my is at my uh, monitor's last place so, so that my nephew can <laughs> play those. And recently, like maybe a year ago, she was telling to me, hey, I, play, I was playing Zelda again like when you were young and all that fun stuff. So that was quite a cute uh, story. Um, aside from the games that I've mentioned, I have like pretty decent familiarity with the other console entries in the series. And not having played any of them, but just like, through osmosis and following a lot of uh, video game coverage and all that stuff like i know a lot about these games even though i don't particularly care for them when it comes to handheld zeldas i have very little familiarity with most of them aside from uh, link's awakening and a link between worlds and if i had to like generalize my my understanding of my preference in zelda games before having played a link to the past i would say that uh from my enjoyment of Link's Awakening, I would say that I'd be more into 2D Zeldas than 3D Zeldas. And I think th- like the only 3D Zelda that really spoke to me and that I really enjoyed was Wind Waker. And everything else kind of looked like an un- unimpressive action RPG that I wasn't really interested in. Um, but now, having played A Link to the Past, I can say that this entire understanding of my preference in Zelda games may be flawed, and I will get into it a little bit later. Um, I will also add that I did not finish playing this game. Uh, I finished the Skullwoods dungeon, which is Crystal 3 out of 8, and I had such a horrible experience beating that dungeon. Uh, well, not, not really horrible, more so stressful. Uh, I did the whole thing with three hearts of life the entire thing uh and it was gigantic pain in the ass uh (laughs) i was also uh frustrated with the dungeon prior to that and i just like ran out of patience with this shitty game and i watched the rest of it on youtube and like if i actually base my opinion of the rest of the game based on what i saw on youtube like 
that was the worst part of the game. <laughs> I, I got frustrated at the worst part of the game and then yeah. the rest of it was fine. Um, but what I've learned in previous years is, uh, especially with my experience with Nier Automata, it's that it's very rare that actually persevering with a game that you really hate and don't want to play anymore actually pays off. Uh, so I, I saved my sanity <laughs> and I watched it on YouTube instead. So you can judge me all you want. I don't fucking care. <laughs> oh, uh, as we discussed before starting this episode, I won't judge you at all, especially for this, because I wanted to finish this game uh, in time for the recording. And my shortcut to do that was to follow a walkthrough. So I no shame. Like I was like, and I... I used it a couple of times in the dungeon, but my main thing was to make sure that in between the dungeons, all the side quests he has to do, uh, that I like figure out all the items I need to do and all the arts I could get, and not me having to uh, walk around the map like ten thousand times to figure out things made uh, make me save a lot of time, mm-hmm. which meant uh, I could enjoy I could enjoy the best part I think of the game, which to me felt that like I really enjoyed the, all the dungeons. And it's a bit sad that you got frustrated at that point because I, I feel that while maybe the following dungeons were not harder, they were still satisfying. Yeah, and they were shorter too. I feel like they got shorter after that. A little bit, a little bit. I think they still have their own twist as if, if if you wanted to complete all the rooms and get mm-hmm. all the all the things you could get from the dungeons, whether it's it is uh, rupees and all that fun stuff or magic things. Uh, but um, overall, I felt that each dungeon in this game were pre- were pretty rewarding. Um, what I what I really don't what well, one thing and one thing I never feel rewarding in a video game is when you need to wander around and then figure out all the options you have to do to really continue your main quest or the side quest, and I feel that Zelda a lot is doing that. You need to kind of wander around, go try to try to go in this corner of the map, see if you have skipped a dialogue or skipped a hidden pad that now let's say you have the armor so you can uh, you can hit something and then you uh, uncover a pad. I'm like this was going to take like me 10 hours just to figure out this <laughs> one side quest and I'm that to me to go back to your example this is making me lose patience so for sure as you can imagine this is not something i reward when i play video games and that's why usually i move away from them and move away from those types of games but uh having to play with the walkthrough was allowing me to kind of keep a, a good pace if you see what i mean throughout this game and i felt that even if some might say that I went fast through it. This good pace meant I could remove this typical frustration of like, ah, oh, crap, what do I need to do again? And I think in A Link to the Past, there's a couple of nice places. Uh, there's kind of a magic creature that you can pay, I think, 30 rupees or the price varies from places to places where they will give you ints on when to need to do next and stuff like that. So, you can always fall back. But even to me, let's say like, okay, I don't know where I need to go. Let me make sure I have 30 rupees, which should be pretty easy. But do I need to buy a potion and stuff like that? And then go back to the place where this magic creature is. 
pay for 30 rupees and then figure out the charade or kind of the int they're giving me. It's like, oh my goodness. Is it, <laughs> are they talking about this area of the mat or maybe this other one? Sometimes also Tony was looking me, looking at me playing and he says, oh my God, you're not figuring this out. You're a bit dumb. And that's, <laughs> that's fun too. Uh, so <laughs> I tried to play away from him. Yeah. But yeah, so overall, uh, I felt that the part I really enjoyed were the dungeons and the f- part that would really create frustration in my gaming experience were really breezed through because the, the the walkthrough would say, you need to go there and do this and do that and all that fun stuff. And it's funny because I think in the end, there's the possibility of getting 20 arts uh, for your full like health bar. And I think I was at that 18 because I mm-hmm. didn't do maybe the... I started to maybe do that maybe f- midway to be more t- tedious and not use the the walkthrough as just uh, okay I've been walking around for like maybe the last fifteen minutes I'm tired of doing that let me just unblock myself for this which was the style I usually do for those type of games before and before maybe last week I would say uh, and then I was like oh crap I forgot to play this game so I need to uh, power through it and then do that. I guess we sort of gracefully transitioned into giving our thoughts on the game. So I, I will just point out that if you've um, if you've listened to previous episodes we've done about various like games and or TV shows and other media episodes, usually we split the episode into like a spoiler part and a non spoiler part. Um, I mean, this is a Nintendo game, uh, so narrative <laughs> is not very high on the list of things. Like, if you don't know that you're going to beat Ganon at the end of the game, then I'm sorry. <laughs> now you do. Uh, and you forgot the other part you need to sell Zelda to. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, it, now that we've spoiled everything about the game, we're going to talk about it with no spoilers, what's, uh, no spoiler warning whatsoever. Uh, so, we assume you've played the game or you don't care because story doesn't really matter in this game. And or, it's a 30 and- years old game at this point. Yes, also. Um, but, I mean, like we hadn't played it, so there are clearly people who True. haven't played it. True. But again, let's say if we haven't decided to play it and I was listening to people talking about it, I wouldn't be pissed because I was like, my the, the chances of me playing this game is already low. So I wouldn't mind. But again, it's always good that we do our spoiler free. And I, I mean, like whole it, section. It, it's always going to depend on the type of game, because again, like right. I feel like Nintendo games like they you you don't need to care about Nintendo games. And this is actually something in one, later later on in one of my uh, thoughts that actually relates to I do have actually notes about the plot, uh, which is really funny okay. because it's it's uncharacteristic for me to care. Uh, but <laughs> it's like Zelda games can get away with it. But like right. last week, I believe uh, the PlayStation Store was having a promotion involving The Last of Us Two, where one of the promotional images contained a spoiler for The Last of Us Two, and oh, people really? got really fucking oh, pissed. Oh no! So again, <laughs> it depends on the game. <laughs> oh, that's utterly stupid! Oh wow! Yes. Okay, I missed that. That's good. Uh, now that we are in the spoiler full section, uh, and maybe I don't know if your point about the plot is about uh, is going to be about what I'm about to say, but to just circle back to what I was saying about trying to figure out what's the next move you need to do. One thing that I started to be a bit frustrated about is when you switch to the dark 
land mm-hmm. and that you need to go back to the light land to do a side quest which gives you an item or unlock something that you can go back to the dark land and, and continue. Mm-hmm. And to me, like if it was like one or a bigger map and then you just need to figure out like, okay, I can power to it, but now I need to power to it thrice. And I was like, oh, I need to do this. And okay, now I've done that. What are the effects in the other world? And I was like, oh, really? Oh, so... Uh, yeah, that that aspect uh, of having two worlds and it is assumed or you need to figure out that uh, one of the items, which is the mirror, I think the game kind of tells you, hey, you know what, you have the mirror, it allows you to switch from one to the other and I think the mirror is kind of a side quest you need to figure out how to get to, so that's fun. Uh, is kind of the end, the game gives you like, oh, by the way, like the mirror is allowing you to go back to go back from dark to light uh but for example i didn't figure out that there was a warping zone i think there's one because like the game forces you go through that one but then there's others in Mm -hmm. the game that i've discovered by reading the walkthrough i was like ah i see okay that's that was fun to know oh yeah obviously i'm going to lift this rock and there's going to be a warp zone under it like everyone knows that shit yeah, and not only that, because at some point you get a shovel too. And I'm like, yeah. okay, so I need to hit things, I need to shovel things, I need to throw, like, lift a rock. And it's like, the possibility is an endless. And then my, my, like, I guess my programmer brain is like, oh my god, I'm confused. Like, there's too much possibility and I need <laughs> to power, like, brute force, brute force them all and no can't do. So I, I, I guess that's why I don't like those types of games. One of the issues I had is, um, somewhere between dungeons you have to get back to the uh in the dark world you have to go to the main town kakariko village or whatever it's called but i couldn't figure out how to go there because the way you go there is via a hookshot thing but i didn't think that like uh, the problem is like there's no uh there's no landmark there that makes it seem like a memorable location where you would think oh well of course i need to hookshot there again so i spent an hour and a half turning around <laughs> in circles trying to find a stupid way to get into the thing and i was like oh i'm going to use the mirror go into the light world in the village then i'm going to reuse the mirror and it's going to warp me back to the same spot no it takes nope. you back to where you used the mirror originally and i'm like oh well fuck that didn't work uh so <laughs> There's a lot of weird, frustrating shit like that where it, it's not the act of backtracking itself that is the issue. It's that the thing you are looking for when you are backtracking is so... It, it basically blends into the scenery by that point. Oh, yeah. And you don't even think to do it. Like, of course, like I think the major example of something that is needed to progress in the game that blends into the scenery is literally the fucking waterfall in the dungeon. <laughs> that is the thing that made me super furious about this stupid game is you can randomly walk through this one waterfall in a dungeon yes, and that's how you get to the boss and I'm like who the fuck (laughs) did this and like (laughs) almost everything else in the game there's some sort well aside from that in the hookshot location almost everything else in the game there is some telegraph thing like there are cracks on a wall if you can bomb it and the level of the cracks determines like what uh like sometimes you can run th- run into a wall and sometimes you have to bomb it. 
Oh, really? Yeah. If it's like the deepest cracks, you can just like run into the wall really fast with the Pegasus boots and you don't have to waste a bomb. I did not know that. I always used a bomb. Yeah. Well, it, it works either way. It's just you can save yeah, a bomb yeah. if you do it. So like that, like the waterfall and the hookshot things are like major things that block progression that you can waste a lot of time. Like I spent two hours in that dungeon trying to find where the fuck I was supposed to go to progress anything. <laughs> And nothing is telegraphed about that. And you can't ask anything in the game. It's just like, you just have to try shit. And like, I can have a certain, it depends on the context, right? So uh, there's a game I bring up occasionally on the show, uh, Tower of Druaga, which was this Namco arcade game released in late 70s, maybe early 80s. That like the entire point of this game was, it was kind of like a, predecessor to zelda it was like here's a weird dungeon map it looks kind of like a pac-man maze each floor has a random shit thing you have to do to progress to the next floor and we're not going to tell you anything and you just have to figure it out and it was an arcade game and there was a notebook next to the arcade machine where people would note down the weird things that they tried and like it was this community effort to beat this game and eventually your arcade would figure it out and then it would basically be like a score slash speed run thing to see right. who gets through it faster. But like, that's cool if you understand going into it that that's the proposition of this game. Whereas in the Zelda game, like everything seems like well-designed and well-telegraphed until you hit one of these things and then you're like, this is fucking bullshit. And you never know when it's going to hit you. <laughs> I like to know that the uh, Oakshot one, uh, because it's funny that you mentioned this, those two examples, because the Archok one was when I was like, okay, in between dungeons, I'm w- using the walkthrough. And this one, it says, oh, look, on the ground, there's an arrow. I think it, it made yes, with stones in the river or something like that, or in the grass, there's a kind of arrow pointing in that direction. It's like, yeah, just use your Oakshot in that direction and it will work. I'm like... I don't know if we use the same guide, though, because I I actually, I got fed up and I went to go look at the walkthrough that I, and the first one I clicked on on GameFAQs, like, there was nothing about the hookshot thing there. So I, I didn't help me at all. I was just like wandering around in circles. And I'm like, this is just telling me like, if I know how to get into town, I'm like, well, what the fuck do I do? Yeah, no, no, I recalled. Uh, yes, on GameFAQ, I recalled. And the other one about the waterfall, that's one of the rare moments in the dungeon where I was like, okay, let me, like, I'm stuck too. Mm-hmm. And when I read, oh, just just go into this waterfall, you'll be, there's a crack in the wall and you'll be able to go through. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> there's nothing showing that. And that's the first time in the game we need to do that. Why? And I mean, like, part of me was worried that the rest of the game was just going to have that much bullshit. And honestly, like, if the YouTube uh, playthrough I watched is any indication, there was none of that bullshit. Like, there's some maze-like shit in the last dungeon that is, like, you would probably waste a lot of time doing that if without a guide or something. But, like, you can Uh, figure it out. So, are you talking about the tower where you need to go beat Ganon? Oh, yeah, with you... all the different warp tiles that take you from place to place. It was not too bad. Okay. Uh, this I did the without. Um, no, it wasn't too bad. Uh, I think it's the dungeon before. Not the, not the dungeon with Zelda. The one, excuse me, the one before. And there's one that at some point you need to backtrack your steps to complete. 
Mm. Uh, you need to go like you're stuck down through two levels and you need to throw something from two levels. I was like, how am I supposed oh, yeah. to know this? Uh, and this one, like when you needed to backtrack like your steps a lot, I was like, oh, crap. Mm. So that's another moment where I was like, okay, I'm stuck in a dungeon. What should I do? And then that's how I figured out. So yeah, um, I agree a lot with your statement about things that are in the scenery that I don't click. And I think that's kind of goes back to when Tony was trying to, was making fun of me and just like, <laughs> Oh, you're stuck there because I feel for certain people. And surprisingly enough, Tony is one of them <laughs> uh, because he doesn't look at shit. when you were like in the real life, but that's, <laughs> uh, but it's like people click that, like they need to try everything and everything. And I'm like, yeah, but there's like a thousand million possibilities. If we try everything and nothing, and it's like, yeah, but that's the fun of it. I'm like, what? That's the fun of brute forcing things in a video game? I'm like, okay. Actually, that's so. that's really funny because it sort of uh, ties into another thing that I have. I find that discovering shit in this game is not really satisfying. Like, even if you do it the legit way without a walkthrough, like, it's not particularly satisfying. I've come up with a couple reasons for this. So when you press start, uh, start brings up the inventory screen, right? They didn't put it on weird select thing. <laughs> Uh oh my goodness I I know it's the plus button the oh switch, right because and the I switch forgot. has weird yes. yeah okay well whatever so I, uh, when you go I on the inventory the screen yeah when you go on the inventory screen you have access to these tons and tons of item slots that you can collect things throughout the game right and shockingly like most of them see very situational use maybe once or twice in the game and then you never use them ever again um it's really weird yeah okay yeah no I see what your point. You can buy arrow and bomb capacity upgrades, but I found that by the time I actually got to the place where I could have those upgrades, I never needed those upgrades in practice because I, like, you only really have arrow and bomb shortages at the start of the game, and I had never once hit a shortage after that. That's true. That's true. I think I've uh, I've upgraded to forty arrows, fifty bombs, or the inverse, and I was like who cares why are you giving me so much bombs like i'm using one and there's already three around where yeah. the place i needed to use one i dumped 600 rupees into those upgrades and i never once felt like i got that much use out of them <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and the thing that pisses me off the most is like a lot of the times when you're uh going around the map uh the overworld map you're going to find pieces of heart and pieces of heart are only good if you have at least a multiple of four of them and this pisses me off because like let's say you find one you sort of have to commit to find at least three other ones for it to be worth it. <laughs> right. Unless you locked out and you find a double, right? Some of the time you get the F. Oh, I've never... I never came across one of those. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm sure I've seen some. Uh, I, I don't... I'm not saying they don't exist. I just mean I have... I didn't see any throughout my playthrough. Okay. So I, I find the discovering shit in this game is just not satisfying. Um... But there are a lot of things in this game that don't feel satisfying, like <laughs> like the combat. Uh, do you feel like the sword is a good weapon in this game? <laughs> because I feel no, no, like no. it's a useless piece of garbage. Yeah, I see why you say that. And I think it's great when you've upgraded it to the last level, which I think it's the golden yeah. sword, where most enemies can be killed by like one or two hits but i agree with what you said that before that like some enemies and i think i think why they've done this is to hint at you that 
yes, if you smash the sword button, which I did a lot, by the way, uh, to just kill this enemy, it will work at some point. But there's a more efficient way, like using your uh, arrows or maybe using a bomb, like using another accessory is a more efficient way to kill this enemy. And that's kind of how the game tells you, A, do it this way. And in a lot of cases, they're like, no, I'll just use the arrow and that's it. The entire third of the first third of the game, before you get the Master Sword upgrade, throwing pots is the most reliable way to deal damage to enemies. <laughs> that's not even a joke. That's just true. And even once you've upgraded it, so I upgraded my, uh, before I stopped playing, I upgraded my sword twice, I think. Um, the hitbox for the sword is fucking useless. Uh, I constantly felt like there was someone at Nintendo who was just like laughing at me and for <laughs> denying me the satisfaction of being able to hit enemies. Oh my goodness. It doesn't feel like you're actually like holding a sword. It feels like you're holding a fucking tree branch. It it just doesn't work half the time, and I hate it. Um, the only time the weapon actually felt effective to me at all is if you have full health after getting at least the Master Sword upgrade and you can mm-hmm. shoot out beams. Like, that shit is OP. It's the best shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was nice. That is the only time the sword is good. Every other time, you sort of have to use anything else. One thing that the walkthrough told me about that is the beam, like, you get the beam when you get the Master Sword, and that's it. Like, even if you upgrade the Master Sword, the beam is not getting better. No. So that was like, oh, okay, you know, I kind of wish sometimes I had a better beam, but they, yes. at least now the sword is getting upgraded, so that's fine. But uh, the sword still felt useless to me, even after the... Okay, I wouldn't say that, to be honest. I, I think the main thing I've struggled with, and I think this is partly to blame to the Joy-Con, is that... You can use a D-pad, but of course the ergonomics of the Joy-Con makes you use the joysticks. And I felt that because it's an old game, it's either up, down, left, right. So, And sometimes there's like uh, enemies that travels diagonally. And I'm like, I want to show my arrow diagonal- diagonally to kill mm. you. And that didn't work. Yeah. So then you start to try to, try to s- give a swirling uh, sword uh, attack. Which sometimes work, and then sometimes you're just like smashing the sword, but the sword button, and that uh, then that means that either the enemy is attacking you diagonally or jumps on you diagonally, and then I'm getting frustrated. Another thing to know about the combat in this game is that it's mostly optional. That's fair. Yeah, the only places you actually need to fight, like, are when doors don't open in dungeons, or keys drop from enemies, or dungeon bosses. Otherwise, right. like you mostly have the option to run around them instead of actively engaging with them. And you get the Pegasus boots, like it's the first I- one of the first items you get. And basically any area that gives you a straight line out of the screen lets you trivialize that completely by just yeeting the fuck out of there. So I guess I'll I'll get into this a little bit later when I talk about like more or less my conclusion about this game. But I feel like because the combat is optional in this game, they didn't feel like they had to make the combat good in this game, which is why the sword sucks. Because it's so weird that like the the weapon that's on the cover of the box is like shit like this. No, that's a that's a fair point. I didn't really like process and realize that you can just like I know you can just like 
skip enemies and then like power through like use a pegasus button and just run through this uh, section of the map which i've done a couple of times but i've never i didn't play this this game through assuming that a that should be my main strategy to just hit nobody and then do the minimal damage i should and now that you say that it makes sense and then it's kind of like a it wowed me a bit maybe i should play a bit by trying to do that like a replay and do it in that the moment it clicked for me is when i was doing that stupid dungeon with just three hearts of health is like Mm -hmm. i didn't want to engage enemies because they were going to fuck me up so and throughout that dungeon like the only enemy that can sort of fuck you up a lot is the random hands that come down from the the ceiling oh those yes uh like that's sort of the only threat you have to deal with and I was mostly fine avoiding those. It just took a little bit of patience sometimes. And sometimes they would actually like drop down while I was moving to the next room, which is like some unfair bullshit because they could like get you on the doorframe. And anyways, weird interactions there that I wasn't really expecting to (laughs) would work or at least should have crashed the game instead or something. But yeah, like that dungeon is when I sort of realized like, oh, combat in this game is mostly optional and you can get, through the entire dungeon mostly by only fighting when uh doors lock in front of you and the only way out is to fight all the enemies uh and then the boss which is also bullshit but it's also an extremely stressful way to actually try to beat a dungeon uh not recommended hmm so i think like that mostly makes up like the high level thoughts i had about this game i don't know if you have anything else before I can get into my big conclusion about this. No, I don't think so. Um, again, maybe I could start with a small conclusion on my side, but yeah. uh, I think overall, I don't don't consider it a bad game. Like, again, I do know it's not my genre of game. That, that mm-hmm. I was aware and well into saying, like, I know that's the case. I'll figure it out uh, while playing through it. I don't want to consider it a bad game because I have a bias against not Zelda games, but like just like RPG games and Indies figure shit. So, but again, I'd say it's kind of kind of okay game in my book. Like I'm not the biggest like kind of like supporter of that game. I did really enjoy again. Uh, I think that's maybe the play. If I could quickly kind of do a like a speed through of all the dungeons, I think that I would really enjoy because I felt they were pre- pretty rewarding. Uh, except the one that you need to backtrack or like the one about the river, uh, not the river, the, the waterfall. Like those small moments in those dungeons were kind of infuriating. But overall, I have found memories in my playthrough of the dungeons. Like you were mentioning a couple of examples, the end that drops. Yes, it's infuriating, but <laughs> this one is like, yes, I killed you. And then they come back and then, yes, I kill you again. So uh, I really had really good fun and I really enjoyed the mechanics. And it was nice when I found the map and I was making sure, oh yeah, I want to visit all the rooms and I need to make sure to find the map at some point and not just go through the dungeons to just go beat the boss. So uh, that part I also really enjoyed. So if Nintendo were to remake this game and just have a dungeon mode, I would really be a fan of that. That's for I, sure. Actually, do you know about BS Zelda? BS Zelda or DS Zelda? BS Okay, no, I didn't, no, no. Okay, so uh, there was this accessory for the Super Famicom in Japan called the Satellaview, which let you download games from uh, satellite television, of all things. 
uh, and one uh, BS is uh, a two-letter acronym for uh, satellite service in Japan. There's BS and CS, which are like the two different kinds of satellite service. Um, BS Zelda was a downloadable Zelda game for the Satellaview. I believe it had voice acting because Satellaview had weird added shit because it was a fancy accessory that no one had. Uh, and, uh, I believe it had like voice acted cutscenes, and then you were thrown into a dungeon and you had like hmm. 25 minutes to do a dungeon and like every week you got a different dungeon. Uh, oh, nice. And I believe now that all of the BS Zelda stuff has been compiled into ROMs that you can actually run in emulators and English translation. And I believe people actually like did English voice acting, uh, fan made voice acting for it. Uh, so I think you might actually enjoy that because it's basically just more dungeons for Zelda Link to the Past in the same engine. Hmm. Nice. Uh, I don't know if you have this uh, ROM, uh, uh, if, you're, if this ROM is falling uh, in the back of your truck, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I'll try uh, to find something for you. But to it? Yeah. But yeah, I would really enjoy to see that. Uh, and I guess it would be uh, compatible with the emulator that you've used on your Mac, right? I mean, I don't know. I haven't tried it, but I, I know it exists. That's that's more or less the thing I'm saying. I, I've played it before. I just don't remember how I played it. Um, okay. But I will try to find that information and put it in the show notes if it's not illegal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, also kind of related to that is A Link Between Worlds, uh, which came out in 3DS, which is basically like a sequel to this game. I think now that you mentioned, I think that's the one that that Tony wants me to play right after it. Yes, and I think I think it is primarily focused around dungeons, and it has a lot of really interesting gameplay systems. So I think you might enjoy that as well. Um, but yeah, so my sort of take on a link to the past, like as you have no doubt. Uh, guessed from how i've been speaking about it throughout this episode i did not really enjoy my experience <laughs> through this game you did mention to me that you regretted you regretted multiple times not choosing sonic yeah actually i actually skipped an entire point of my notes and i just realized that i was going into my conclusion without saying this thing which is very important to my conclusion so let's actually back up and talk about the plot of this game <laughs> oh wait, that's true you didn't talk about the plot i didn't even mention it before yeah, yeah, yeah. uh big omission on my part. my oops uh so as we mentioned earlier in the episode like Nintendo games have these surface level narratives that only exist as a weird convenient way to frame their weird gameplay one of the things you really see, especially for Mario and Zelda, is that they have this tendency to drive tropes into the ground and reuse shit all over <laughs> all the whole time. Like the story to basically every Zelda game is effectively the same. It doesn't really matter, uh, aside from Majora's Mask. Like it, there's no real variety in how the story of a Zelda game or a Mario game really gets told. It's just different set dressing every time. Uh, as much as Zelda fans hate it when you say that. Um, and what's notable about the Zelda games is they sort of fall into one of two categories in how they deliver that narrative. There are playful Zelda games and there are serious Zelda games. And I would categorize A Link to the Past as being a serious Zelda game because it sort of just tries to present these world-ending events with some level of seriousness and you are just supposed to believe it. What I realized by playing through this game is that serious Zelda games don't work for me fundamentally. Hmm. Uh, Playful Zelda games like uh, Link's Awakening and Wind Waker actually work because the flaws in the game sometimes come across as more believable in the context of 
this is a child playing or this is a child going on an imaginary adventure. Um, and you can hand wave away a lot of the issues in these games just because of the context they're in with how they're presented. And in a lot of ways, I find like probably the reasons that a lot of people really, really like Link's Awakening and sometimes view it as being the best Zelda game is just because they can overlook a lot of flaws in the game because the charm carries it. And that's really what I realized when I was playing this game is actually it has nothing to do with 2D or 3D or uh, like what makes up my preference in Zelda games. It's if this if the Zelda game is, devel- uh, is delivered in a playful manner, I am much more open to actually enjoying the the entire experience than I am if it's presented with a straight face and I'm supposed to believe it. That's how it works uh, on a narrative level for me is like... <laughs> It, it like for me narrative is mostly aesthetic more than anything else in video games it's not really a required part of it it's just like if it's good it's just a bonus um <laughs> but yeah so that part was necessary to actually go into my true uh conclusion which is yeah it, it makes sense that you now rewind a bit and added that part because I understand your point about the childish, and even if we compare it with uh, a Link's Awakening, even the remake on the Switch, I think now the the graphics and the aesthetics that they've used for the Switch version mm-hmm. really fits into this. Like it's a tiny, cutesy Link child, and it makes sense that it's a bit crazy too because you know it's a dream, and we always dream about weird shit, so things don't really make sense. But you figure out it's a dream in the end, so that's why. Uh, and Wind Waker got so much shit when it was coming out from all of the Zelda fans who wanted big, serious Link. And they got that with Twilight Princess. Uh, I'm not sure it really paid off in the end. But, uh, like, a lot of them, not only, yeah, they, not only is the story playful and childlike, but the graphics also sort of rep- represent that too. And, like, if I look back to Link's Awakening, like I haven't actually booted up Link's Awakening to verify this, but it's possible that the sword hitboxes I hate in this game are also the same in Link's Awakening. But what's the difference? Because everything is sort of a figment of Link's imagination, it kind of makes sense that maybe he's waving around a tree branch <laughs> instead of a sword because it's in his imagination. And I'm willing to forgive that in the context of a playful game, whereas in this game where this guy is supposed to be saving the goddamn world, he's not waving a little tree branch around. So that that's kind of what I mean as a concrete example of like the believability that comes up because of the playfulness of uh, those games is, yeah, you're willing to forgive that stuff. Whereas right now I am really not uh, right now. I'm just like, these hitboxes are bullshit. Okay. So link to the past. It's historically notable because it set the blueprint for all of the uh, Zelda type adventures going forward. And what I mean by this Zelda-type adventure formula is you navigate a dungeon to find keys, you use those keys to find a pivotal item, you use that item to complete the dungeon, and if that item also uh, can be used for traversal purposes, new things open up in the overworld as a result. Like, this is the formula of what made a Zelda game from that point on. And more or less all the other Zelda games that would follow would stick to that formula. I think Majora's Mask kind of deviates from that, but... There are major reasons as to why. And I like the formula you're describing because this is exactly what I've been saying about like when you get this item, now you need to pop because you said possibly open new opportunities yeah. in the map, right? So now you need to make sure, like, okay, by the way, uh, 
might open things as a possibility and I need to go in this area. Does it open something there? Does it go to this other area? And that infuriates me. So that is good because it fits with the formula that I'm not a big fan of. And if you are interested in finding out more about how this formula varies from one Zelda game to another, there is a fantastic series by a Mark Brown from Game Maker's Toolkit called Boss Keys, where he analyzes dungeons from all the Zelda games in order. Mm. And uh, they are immensely useful in finding out like why certain dungeons work for you and others don't. Uh, or like why Wind Waker is a little bit linear than others or other things like that. Like you, you understand a lot about how dungeons are designed in these games. If you actually just think of the, of uh, the dungeons as a diagram of where you get the keys and what those keys open up it's really interesting. Um, and basically all of the future Zelda games just mess with how that diagram looks like how linear is the diagram how many branches are there all of that stuff between the start of the dungeon and the boss but fundamentally they all sort of try to do the same thing now what's really interesting about this formula i described is that it's also kind of the formula to another game genre the metroidvania genre which combines this formula with platformers and what i realized when i was playing through a link to the past every single time is that Good Metroidvanias do everything A Link to the Past is trying to do much better than A Link to the Past does it. Platforming, uh, as opposed to a top-down action RPG, means that generally you have less options to avoid combat. If an enemy is in your face, if it's a big enemy, you can't jump over it. Uh, so ultimately, like until you get late-game traversal options that let you jump or fly or boost on top of a, a big enemy... Like, you kind of don't have a choice but to fight things. And because combat is less avoidable, developers are incentivized to make the combat more engaging, which means that the combat doesn't suck, because the game would suck if the combat was unavoidable and not fun. Map games and Metroidvanias tend to do something that this game does not, which is, uh, in Metroidvania games, if you visit a room and a room had an unexplored path you couldn't reach, generally that is visible on your map which means when you get a new item, you can look at your world map because the entire world is one map and see all of the areas you can possibly backtrack to. Now, that doesn't mean the thing that you can backtrack to is necessarily for the item you got, but you have a checklist of places you can go back to to get a general idea of where you might need to go next, which is very useful. I love that. Exploration rewards in Metroidvanias are generally immediately useful. So, like for example, Super Metroid, you get an energy tank in Super Metroid, you can use your energy tank immediately. You don't need to get four of them. Uh, so you don't ever feel screwed like uh, you do with uh, Pieces of Heart where you have to just go find three others or like you basically got zero, <laughs> zero upgrade there. Uh, same thing for missile upgrades. You get plus five missiles or whatever immediately. Now, because all of your exploration rewards need to be immediately useful, that means they make a bunch of weird shit. Uh, like, much like in Zelda, where your uh, inventory screen has a lot of items that have very situational or weird uses, um, there are many more of those in Metroidvania games, and that's generally where like the game designers just go crazy and try really weird ideas. Uh, in Zelda, you don't really see very weird ideas for your items. Everything is relatively safe in what you get. And, like, it's boring when an item is only used once, and it's relatively boring. Like, you use the ice rod 
maybe twice in the entire game of A Link to the Past. And in neither case, you really feel like you're doing anything meaningfully different than using any other item in the game. Right. It's useful for one boss fight. I think two, maybe one when you just got it, and then the next one where it's the kind of a the uh, stone turtle that has two heads, three heads, and one of them is like fire, and the other one is ice, and then you combat them with that. Mm-hmm. So all these points that I brought up about Metroidvanias, like they just make Metroidvanias seem like a better version of what A Link to the Past was trying to be, and I would much rather play a lot of different Metroidvanias than play this game. So my sort of categorization of a link to the past is as historically very important but obsolete and that's going to piss off a lot of zelda fans because i know a lot of zelda fans like see this in like the top two or three zelda games of all time and i think for from a historical perspective like definitely but if you sit me down and ask me what i want to play i would much rather play the games that a link to the past influenced than play a link to the past because those games are much more engaging than this one. And that's kind of where I fall with this. I'm a bit surprised. Not about the conclusion. I think it makes sense. I'm a bit surprised that you didn't propose one of those games. I mean, Super Metroid, Castlevania, Symphony of the Night. Uh, if you want to play a more recent one, Bloodstained, uh, which is effectively no, 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 Symphony I, of the Night. Again, the, those games are classics too and some of them fits into the 90s so they could have been a good uh, replacement game for A Link to the Past for 91 team that we're trying to do for this episode. The, the problem is not really that many good things came around in 91. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. I, Sonic I know. the Hedgehog and Street Fighter 2 are pretty much the top <laughs> top dogs there. Um, and, and I guess technically like we got... Uh, in North America, 91 was the year that the Super Nintendo launched, uh, but those were technically 90s, uh, right. 1990 releases in Japan. So we could have talked about Super Mario World. We could have talked about F-Zero. Hmm. Uh, F-Zero I love, but like, it, yeah. So I don't know. It, like, There are a lot of games, and I think like the influence of this game was only felt a couple of years after it came out. It was not instant, right? Right. Uh, by the way, uh, the main reason I bring this up is more or less to say that I really enjoy the... F- While we are not at the same enjoyment level and appreciation level for the game, I do really enjoy that we had a different twist this time around to talk about the uh, game. And that may- that's why I was asking you about the uh, Metroidvania type of game is hey, if we if would have been able to uh, spin it into our team because it was really nice to talk about the game that was built, uh, that was launched and released in '91. Uh, also, uh, you were correct uh, when I talked when you mentioned a link between world. That's the suggestion Tony said that because I just texted him. He's like, "Yeah, it's like kind of the next game. It's the it's the part two of it's a, a direct to sequel to a link to the past, right? So a link between world is what he told me. Good. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. Good. So if you want to uh, see the show notes for this episode, you can find them on our website at limitlesspossibility.net slash 159, so 159. If you want to find our back catalog of episodes, including all the video games episodes we've done throughout the past few years, you can find it at limitlesspossibility.net. You can find the show on Twitter 
at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can find myself on Twitter at Lukonosh. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And you can find Yannick at Sakarina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.